God, we thank you now for an opportunity one more time to stand in this sacred place and to read your word and preach from its contents. God, you've directed my heart, you've led my spirit and my mind, and I thank you for the things that you've put in my heart to deliver to your people today. And I ask you, O oh God, that you will do something that I cannot do, that you will enable me by the power of the Holy Spirit to preach your word this morning. I need your touch, and I ask you to guide me, guard my mouth, O oh God, and my mind, and help me, Lord, to say those things that you would have me to say. And let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. My strength and my redeemer. Praise the Lord. Blessed be his name. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. We started last Wednesday night talking about this uh, epistle that was written by the Apostle Peter or was dictated by the Apostle Peter, probably written by a scribe, but it has to do with the church. The first epistle of, of Peter is about the things from outside the church, the oppression and the punishment and the terrible things that Nero, the Roman uh, Caesar, was committing against Christians. In fact, he uh, set Rome on fire and blamed the Christians for it. He had a huge knife that he used to behead Christians, and uh, it was called Nero's chop block in the first century. There was so much persecution, but God did such marvelous work in the spite of the persecution. In fact, the persecution seemed to be fuel to fire the flames of the Pentecostal message. It seemed like that the more that our adversary oppressed and fought against the efforts of the early church, the more successful they were. Would it surprise you to know that the greatest years of growth in the Christian church in America is during World War I and World War II? Churches were full. People were praying. People were really down to business with God. And church attendance was at an all-time high during those years of the Korean War and the uh, World War II and World War I and uh, 1917, 18, and 19. Those, those war years drove America to its knees. Those war years led uh, America to seek the will of God and to seek His purpose for, for us. Churches were established and missionaries were sent. And we uh, enjoyed what has been called the golden age of evangelism and church planting. In other words, the church was at its highest point at that point. There, would it surprise you to know that Pentecostals and Charismatics are the largest Christian group in the world today? They comprise almost half of all Christians are Pentecostal or Charismatic. Did you know that the fastest growing churches in the world are Pentecostal churches and churches where the Spirit has been poured out? And uh, the theologians and the historians are looking at, at what has been the last 30 years or so, the 90s, 80s, and 90s, with the charismatic movement and the Pentecostals gaining ground like they have. For many of those years, the church of God was the fastest growing church in the world. Many of those years, 
Of course, that's all changed now, being as culture has changed and being as there have been paradigm shifts in the way we look at religion in America. But the one thing that is still sure is God's Word, and the one thing that is still sure is the confidence and the faithfulness of those who have experienced the will of God and the blessing of God for their lives. Can you say amen to that? As long as there is a God in heaven and as long as there is a church on earth, there will be proclamation, there will be preaching, and there will be evangelization of the world. Maybe not at the height that it was in those years, but certainly as long as there is a presence on this earth, God's power and God's presence will be celebrated in the church of the Lord Jesus. Can you say amen to that? In the first century, the birthday of the church was on Pentecost a Sunday. How many of you knew that? That suddenly there was this new kid on the block called the Pentecostals. <laughs> one of the uh, professors out at uh, Fuller, uh, one of my good friends and from many years ago, wrote a book, here, Watch Out, Here Come the Pentecostals. Watch Out, Here Come the Pentecostals. And that, it was expected that, you know, Pentecostals would uh, grow rapidly, and they have, they have. But I want to tell you that they have not reached the summit of where God wants them to be. And we've not reached a resting place or a plateau and start to tip over and even start to decline now. In fact, for the last 10 years, the strong Southern Baptist Convention has uh, reported losses each of those 10 years in attendance in their churches. The powerful Methodist church that at one time was the largest Protestant church in the world uh, has now been split into so many factions that they've had a, a lot of difficulty and a lot of problems along the way. And so it is with the religious story. Amen. I had a pastor this week, a pastor several thousand was talking with me, and he said, we're about 60% of what we were before COVID. That COVID just ravished us so badly that we haven't really made a comeback yet. So there are churches that are still healing up from COVID, and COVID has left some marks and scars on the church that will be with us for a long, long time. But the fact is still the same. God's word and God's purpose and God's will for the church is that we go forth and that we preach the gospel and that we bring people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, that people find freedom through what we do at church. Could I, could I say something without you making, getting mad at me? We're so introverted and we're so anthropocentric. Boy, that's a big word, Brother Jerry. Anthropocentric. You know what, you know what anthropology is? The study of man. Anthropology. Centric means at the center of. When I say anthropocentric, that means man and what he wants and what he desires has now come to the center. And we've been now a culture of what, what's in it for me. This is all about me. You see, when it becomes all about us, then we're starting a downward trend and moving away from where God wants us to be. I'll tell you later in the message about where, what, where, what should be at the center. And it's a word you might want to write it down. It's called theocentric. Theo, theology, meaning God the study of God, theology. So God is theo, so God is at the center. When God is at the center and we're theocentric, 
Not what we want, but what God wants. Not what pleases us, but what pleases Him. Not our purpose, but His purpose. When God becomes the center, then when we, we then are in the posture of asking, Lord, what will you have me do? In other words, we have this uh, played out for us in the conversion of the apostles uh, Paul. He was not an apostle, not even saved. He was an adversary and was an oppressor of the church. In fact, at his conversion, he was carrying letters to arrest people in Damascus and bring them back and put them in prison and to oppress them. And these were simply because they were Christian people. Amen. But on the way over to do his oppression, the Bible said he was struck down. Can anybody in the house say struck down? One version says knocked down, knocked off his donkey. And found himself laying on the ground and suddenly there was a voice. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He found out then that Jesus takes it personal when you oppress his people. Why are you persecuting me? Well, Lord, I'm not arresting you. I'm arresting Christians in Damascus. No, you're arresting me. Because whatever you do to them, that's the way you feel about me. Woo, son, there's some theology in that. How you treat them is how you really treat me. Amen. And he asked questions. He said, who art thou? Who art thou? I want to know who you are, who's speaking to me with such authority that has such power to knock me to the ground. Who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. His next question was, then what would you have me do? I realize that I'm in the presence of something that is bigger than me and something that is greater than me. You're, you're, you're a Lord of some kind because I... I feel right now my, my, my littleness. Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, when the church gets to the place that we ask those two questions, who are you? Until you fully understand who Jesus is, the knowledge of who Jesus is. That is so important that we get that knowledge of who Jesus is. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4. Hope you're not in a hurry. It's raining outside anywhere. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, our Soter. In the original Greek, our Soter, our Savior, Jesus Christ. What that means is that through the righteousness of God and our Savior. That is a, a grouping of words that lets us know that Jesus is part of the Godhead. Listen to what he says. We have precious faith that was brought to us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That sounds a whole lot like John 1 and 1, doesn't it? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This 
lets us know that Jesus, the Savior, is God the Son. Hallelujah. You should have said praise the Lord right there. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. The epignosis. That means the, that's a powerful word. It's a more powerful word than just gnosis. Gnosis means knowledge, but when you put the epi on the front of it, it really jacks it up and makes it a higher learning and a higher packaging of, of knowledge. And that's the knowledge of knowing who Jesus is and recognizing him as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise the Lord. That's the greatest knowledge you can receive, that Jesus saves and Jesus heals. To know that Jesus is the Savior, hallelujah, that upon him God has laid the iniquity of us all. That upon Jesus we find the love of God expressed. Calvary is made to mean more to us when we know who Jesus is. That he is the eternal sacrifice. He's the son of the living God and he shed his blood for the sins of the whole world. Died a sacrificial death for every one of us. And to know that and to come to that understanding is the greatest knowledge any person can ever have is to know who Jesus is. And once you know who he is, the natural response will be, then Lord, what do you want me to do? Did you know that every one of you in every seat in this building has a purpose assigned by God just for you? Nobody else, just you. Wow. Hmm, boy, that's, that's contemplative, isn't it? In 2 Timothy, he tells us you, you were called with a holy calling. Anybody called of God in this house? Called out of your sin into salvation? Called out of your, your depression into rejoicing? Called out of the doldrums into, into the life of, of freedom and blessedness in God? Have you been called? If you were called, you were called out. Called out. Anybody called out? The Bible said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith God. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. You know what it means? Called out ones. Touch your neighbor and say, are you called out? God has called us out of the darkness. I said, called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, how blessed that is. And Peter here says that kind of knowledge is the greatest knowledge you could ever know. Said, and when you put epignosis, that epi on the front of it, you, you magnified it, jacked it up many, many times till there's no other knowledge like that. The gnosis is, comes later. It tells you how to live for him. The first great, great knowledge is who he is. And the second great knowledge is how he wants you to live. How shall we then live? Boy, that's good stuff, and I like it. Praise the Lord. 
grace and peace be multiplied you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Boy, that's good stuff. According as his divine power. You know what I mean? There's power in knowing who Jesus is. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge, the epignosis, the knowledge of him that hath called us. Anybody in this house been called, I asked you a while ago. Look at it in verse 3. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us by his own glory and his virtue. Whereby, that means by this means, by knowing this, by, by having this knowledge inside us. Whereby there are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Promises that are so Wonderful that it takes three adjectives to describe it. What kind of promises are they? They're exceeding promises. They are far above others. They take precedence. They're, they're primary. They're first. Listen at it. The exceeding, not just exceeding promises, but exceeding great promises. Promises that are not trivial and not simplistic and not run-of-the-mill or status quo, but promises that are great. Wow. They're not only great, but they have such great value that they're precious. Debbie's all the time saying, why, he's so precious. She's so precious. I just love her. Oh, that's one of De Debbie's favorite words, precious. Now, I don't get it much, but she calls a lot of things precious. Her dogs are precious. Things that she loves, things that she really values, she, she'll probably say, oh, that's just precious. Precious means it has great value to it. Listen, is there anybody here in this house that the promise of God is top of the list? Promise of the God exceeds all others. Promise of God is so precious that it, it's of great value to you. How did I get the, the promises? How did I get great promises, exceeding promises, precious promises? How did all of that get its way to me? When I found out who Jesus is, when I found out what Jesus could do, when I found out what the power of God, the difference it can make in my life, that's when I got those precious things in my life. Life became precious. Life became great. Amen. So from there, on your way out, when folks say, how are you doing? Say, great, precious, and exceeding. Can't lose with the stuff we use. Glory to God. How precious promises. But by these, by what? By those promises. The great ones, the exceeding ones, the precious ones. By those promises, 
ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Whose nature is divine? Theocentric. God. God. By these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. You, you might have the divine nature that God has and he's willing to impart some into your life. Godliness is what it's called. Righteousness is what it's called. Holy living is what it's called. Living for God. Walk in the walk of integrity and faith. That's what we're talking about. That's, that's how, you, how you take the partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world. By knowing who Jesus is, you escape a lot of junk. By knowing who Jesus is, the devil knows better than to put some of those devices at work concerning you. Well, you, you think that the devil knows how much to come at me with? Why, sure he does. Well, how does he know that, Brother Irwin? You got a little feature on your face. It's called a mouth and a tongue. And you most of the time tell him what bothers you and what, what throws you and what you can't stand and what... Come on, somebody! And he's sitting there and he's listening to all that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I know what, what you're, well, I, I hear you. I got it. Then next time you turn around, full blast, bang, here it goes. And you get into that, that, that situation. But he said those promises. We become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through desires. Desires. Satan will come at you in the area of your emotions and your desires. That's where he attacks you. Fear, envy, jealousy, lust, all of those, those things, those emotional things, those feelings. Come on, somebody. Feelings. Well, I just don't feel right. What's it going to take to get you to feeling right? And my next question is, can God do it? Can God get you to where you can feel right? God is a deliverer. Savior means deliverer, emancipator, sets you free from, looses you, swings the door open, lets you out of your prison. Let you out of your situation that's got you held captive. He breaks the bonds, amen? Throws off the chains that seem to bind you. He gives glorious freedom and liberty to those that put their trust in him. Amen. I said those people that put their trust in him. Oh, glory be to God, hallelujah. That trust that we have in the Lord Jesus. Turn to Romans chapter 16. Boy, that passage just got me charged up. Romans chapter 16, 
Let's start up there at verse 19, Cheryl. Back up to 19 of Romans chapter 16. The Roman church, you, you know that Rome is where the Roman Empire headquarters. You know the Caesar's palace was there, don't you? You know the Roman Senate was there. In fact, at that time, all roads lead to Rome. In fact, did you know that when John was out on the Isle of Patmos, he was at a, a penal colony. That's, in other words, that's where they put their prisoners. It's a place about 17 miles out in the Aegean Sea, and there's not a blade of grass that will grow on the place. It's a rock out in the middle of the Aegean Sea. And when they wanted to shut him up so he wouldn't found any more churches, write any more epistles, preach any more gospel, he's 87 years old by now. And when they dumped this preacher out on that barren rock, they think we've shut him up, we've took care of him forever, he'll not be a problem anymore. The vulture circled overhead and said, well, another meal has come to Patmos. But as those dejectors rode away from that barren rock, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day. Now what is the Christian day of worship? Sunday. First day of the week. Resurrection day. When Jesus rose from the tomb. Because the Caesar wanted to get praise and glory himself, he passed a law that that was the day every week for emperor worship. In other words, if you wanted an off day, a holiday, you could take the day off if you just worship the emperor on the Lord's day. So this 87-year-old guy in a rock-crushing penal colony, they bursted rocks to pave the Roman roads at Patmos. It's, it's Sunday. It's time for you to either go to work or you can take the day off and sleep in. Emperor worship day. John got up off of his cot of whatever it was, got his sledgehammer in his hand, and went to the rock quarry and said, I will go and burst rocks. I'll work all day instead of worshiping an emperor. I worship the Lord my God at him only. I'm going to this workplace and I'm going to do what I, I know to do and that is be faithful to the Lord that called me. Come on, somebody. Got the option. You can sleep in or you can go burst rocks. All you got to do is say the emperor is God, the emperor is Lord, and you can get the day off. He said, I'll go work, thank you. So when he went to work with his sledgehammer on his shoulder, he said, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Pastor, are you telling me that in a prison where there's oppression all around and I'm sore and I'm tired and I barely can get around at 87 years. You're, you're, you're telling me you can get in the spirit 
in a prison, in a penal colony, bursting rocks with a sledgehammer. You can get in the spirit without anybody to sing you a song, nobody to pray a prayer, nobody to preach a verse of scripture with you. Just by yourself, you get in the spirit on the Lord's day. Oh, when you know who Jesus is, when you know what God can do, when you know what the Bible says, then you can embrace those things. And immediately, when he got in the spirit, the next verse said, and I saw the Lord. You mean the Lord goes to prisons? Does the Lord show up at penal colonies? Does the Lord show up at the workplace? Does, does Jesus come to where you are? Oh, I want to tell you, the biggest blessing for an army is for the general to come and get down in the trenches with them. Isn't that right? That's the most encouragement they say that can ever happen is when the man that's in charge comes and gets down in the trench with you. I want to tell you the captain of our salvation, Messiah, the God of all grace, the God of peace, the God of my life, he'll come get in the trenches with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't desert you. He doesn't go away. He's present when times are tough, when times are hard. When everything in the world seems to be against you and you're going one foot at a time trying to go on and walk up in the light as he is in the light and serve the Lord, I want to tell you, if he's as close to you as his name, just say Jesus. I said just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. And when you say Jesus, he's as close as the mention of his name. He's right there with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He gave you that promise. I'll never, never, never leave you. I'll go with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Oh, what a savior. Oh, what a Savior. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. You've got a great reputation over there at Rome. I understand that y'all have got such an evangelism program that you've gone out there and won people that actually are of Caesar's household. Some of those servants over there that work over there, they've got saved and having Bible studies over there at the palace of Nero. The man that's burning the place down. The man that's killing Christians and chopping their head off. In his house, they're having meetings over there, reading scripture and praying prayers and loving God and winning people to the Lord. When he sent greetings to that church, he said, I want to greet all of you over there. I want to call in their names. Theodius and Articus and, and all of those names. He, he was saying, well, I'm so glad that I got, especially especially those of Caesar's household. You folks that live on the front lines, you folks that engage the battle every day, you guys that know what it's like to take a stand for God. He said, I want to give you a special greeting. Greetings, everybody else. Salute Lucius and, 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 and salute Artemis and, and Articles. He, he had Sylvanus, oh yeah, him, all of them over there. And said, but, but hey, but most of all, make sure you tell those folks that are in Caesar's household that I salute them and I send them. And their reputation has come abroad. It's, it's widespread of what a great church you are at Rome. 
I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you to be wise in that which is good and simple concerning that that is evil. Whoa. He's telling you there when it comes to being fleshly and carnal and like the world, he said, be stupid. Don't know anything about that. Why don't you come over here with my buddies and we'll get a few drinks. Don't know anything about that. Come on, somebody. When it comes to doing the things of the world, when it comes to doing the, the things that he called the corruption that is in the world, when it comes to that, he said, I'm stupid as I can be. I had not got a clue. But when it comes to the things concerning Jesus and God, oh, I know all about that. Praise God. Lift up holy hands unto God. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let everything that hath breath praise you, the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. Praise his name. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm full of wisdom when it comes to the things of God. But the things of the world and the things out there of my enemy and oppressor of my soul that wants me to go to hell, I don't know anything about that. Come on, somebody. Next verse. Praise the Lord. I'm going to hurry. It's raining. I know. And the God of peace. Is your God a God of peace? He keeps the peace in my place, don't he, you? Praise God. If it wasn't for him, they'd all be all kind of hell be going on. But thanks be to God, he's in the house. He goes and gets in my car. Remember with me when I drive down the road. He walks in the classroom when I write my papers. He, he goes with me to the grocery store to pick up some milk. He, he's in the driveway when I get out of the car. He opens the door when I walk in the house. Amen. He, he, he's with me. He, he, if I'm in it, he's in it. Praise the Lord. If I'm doing it, he's doing it. Amen. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly that ought to have been a couple of hundred of you up in the air lord i've been under his foot long enough it's about time we change positions here glory to god I, i've been putting up with this mess with him having his foot on me but thanks be to god you, you say we're going to get to put our foot on his head yeah, and he said it ain't going to be long. The Satan, he shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Heart that shout material, isn't it, buddy? Glory be to God, there's coming a time, saints of God, when the redeemed of the Lord, the righteous, things are going to turn around. This verse points us back to Genesis 3.15 to a discussion that Jesus, well, Jesus was there. He was the Word, but as God at that time, God had a conversation with a snake and a woman. Yeah. 
a snake and a woman. And God said to the snake, he said, the seed of that woman is going to bust your head. said, you may bruise his heel. They may crucify him. They may put him on a cross. And they may puncture his side. And forthwith came blood and water. They may put a crown on his head of thorns and stripe his face with blood. He may hang there upon that cross suspended between heaven and earth. But I want to tell you, Calvary is where God was at his best. And man was at his worst. Calvary is the place where mercy and truth kissed each other. Calvary is the place where the greatest personality of all of history gave his life and shed his blood. Someone said he spilled his blood. No, he didn't spill his blood. Spill is an accident. I said when I spill something, it's an accident. He didn't spill his blood. He intentionally shed his blood. He intentionally was wounded for our transgressions. Hallelujah! Wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. He was a man of sorrows. Surely he hath borne our grief. Surely he hath borne our sorrow. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, what a conversation went on in that, that garden. And what a prophecy. We all, we all know and believe in the virgin birth. When the God of all peace said to the serpent, the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. He was talking about the virgin birth. One of my professors told me years ago, he said, now, I know there's still some of you here that hold on to that virgin birth situation. But he said, you need to stop asking people to believe the unbelievable. You need to stop preaching about something that is biologically impossible. You see, the seed of the woman is an important part of that passage. What that does is it takes man completely out of that whole situation. The seed of the man is not placed in the womb of the woman in her case. In her case, there was a whole different process took place. In fact, the Bible just simply said the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her, brooded over her, brooded over her. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, that holy thing, which is 
in you, angel said to Mary, is of the Holy Ghost. What that means is that she was a virgin, that she never knew a man. What about that? And the angel said, you are go you're highly favored among women because the Lord hath chosen you. Oh, blessed be God. And that holy thing is of the Holy Ghost. That's it. Come on now. Here's the problem. She's espoused to a man named Joseph. This is the Christmas story. I preach about him as the forgotten man of Christmas. The forgotten man of Christmas. While he's got everybody at the church knowing and everybody over the synagogue and everybody all over town knows that he and she are espoused. And suddenly she comes up. And uh, you know how inquiring minds want to know. And the Bible said, and the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And the Bible said, this was during the time of Caesar Augustus when he made a taxation and all the world went to be taxed into his native city. And Joseph went up out of Nazareth unto the city of David, Bethlehem. And the Bible said, because there was no room in the inn, that they found lodging in a stable. And the Bible said, and she brought forth her firstborn. Born of a woman. No man, born of a woman. Made under the law. Why? that he might redeem those who all of their lifetime were under the penalty of the law. Jesus was born so that he could bring liberty and freedom to all of those that were in bondage to the law, under the law. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his only son. God sent forth his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Wow. Wow. Ephesians chapter 2, where I spend a lot of preaching time. And you hath he quickened who were dead. See, if you don't know who Jesus is, you're dead. If you don't know what God can do, you're dead. You hadn't woke up yet. If you're unaware, you're, it's not in your mind, it's not in your heart, not in your life, that Jesus can save and Jesus can heal. Jesus can put your sins behind his back. Jesus can destroy the sin that it exists no more. God said, I will remember their sin no more. No more. Mm. Y'all laugh at me sometimes when I 
God, do you remember how sorry and low down I was before you saved me? God said, no, I don't remember that. God, don't you know how I was so sorry it wouldn't work? Wasn't good to my family, wasn't worth a plug and nickel. God, you know how sorry and low down I was. God said, no, I don't remember any of that. Well, if God don't remember it, why in the world don't you forget it? Why don't you put it behind you? Why don't you get rid of it yourself and start living like somebody that God has changed their life? Medical science teaches us that not a drop of blood flows from the mother of a child into an unborn fetus. Not a drop. So if man had nothing to do with her conception, and if not a drop of blood came from Mary, then his blood is not like my blood. His blood is pure. His blood is undefiled. His blood is unspotted. His blood is the detergent that washes the sin out of a person's life. Hallelujah. For you know that you were not born again of corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Oh, blessed be God. Glory to God. The blood of Jesus. And now we have peace with God through the blood of his cross. Oh, because when God took the sins of the whole world and laid them upon his son Jesus, and his son Jesus went to that cross, shed his blood, died a sacrificial death, and they took him from that tomb and they put him in a sepulcher and they sealed it, rolled a stone over there. And Mary Ann, they were so afraid that the disciples was going to steal him because he'd said, if, if you kill me in three days, I'll be up and at them. And so the magistrates of the Jews got their heads together and they said, we better seal this thing. And they convinced a representative of the Roman government to put a seal on the stone and that if any man was to break that seal he would do it under the penalty of death for somebody that didn't believe that's right they sure were taking a lot of precaution wouldn't they sound to me charlie like they was going to make sure that they didn't anything come out of that tomb but oh the bible says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, there was a rumbling that took place. The Bible said it was an earthquake. And it began to shake. And those soldiers that were stationed there to watch the entrance and make sure nobody steals him, they sat like a rock petrified and couldn't move glory to God and an angel came you believe in angel an angel came 
There's one somewhere near here. Because they encamp around about those that love the Lord. And you know what? I've got one that's in charge of me. And it's a good thing he's got power and he's deity because I'd scare him to death a lot of times trying to take care of me. My Lord. An angel came. And the Bible said he didn't pay any attention to the seal. Didn't care who said you can't. Oh, brother, God does some of his best work when man thinks that you got him shut up, got him tied up, got him locked up, got him burned out. <laughs> That's about the time God comes on the scene, isn't it? Amen. And that angel ro rolled that stone away and praise be to God. The Bible said our Lord Jesus came out of that grave. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And some women were coming over to... Uh, anoint the body of Jesus. And they thought it was the gardener first off, but the angel said, he's not here. Well, where have they laid him? What did they do with Jesus? Where did they lay him? He said, oh, he's not here. He's not here. He is gone. He's resurrected. He, he's gone said, in fact, he's going to meet with the disciples and tell them where, where he's going to meet up with them. Right. Now, we've got Peter backslid over here. Yeah. Come on now. I, what, what's the problem with him? I don't know him. How would I tell you to find victory? Get to where you know who he is. And then listen for what do you want me to do? Peter said, oh, I don't know him anymore. I don't know him. I don't know who that man is. You, this little girl's lying about me. I, I ain't had nothing to do with these people. I don't know a thing about it. Come on, and Jesus told the disciples, said, said, meet me when I come to Galilee. And said, oh, yes, tell Peter that it's about time for him to get up. About time for him to get straightened out, get back with God, get back on his knees and pray through and get salvation. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's some of you watching today and say, Lord of mercy, I've never seen that preacher wild as he is this morning. I want to tell you, if you want to excite this preacher, you start talking about Jesus and what he did for us, what he did for every one of us. And he did that for you too that's watching right now. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, and I dare you to pray it. Come on. You thought there was no need for you to ever believe in God again. Some of you are sitting there. You've given up on church, and you've given up on God. You've given up on preachers. You've said mean, hateful things about the church and people. I want to tell you, right now is the opportunity for you to find your way back to God. I pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, in your name I come. Your word has touched my heart. I feel your presence. I ask you now, forgive me. Change me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me over again. And God, I will try my hardest to live for you. And I'll take my eyes off of other people 
and I'll get my eyes on you, and I'll live for you, and I'll serve you. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Somebody will walk up to me this week and say, well, I was that person you prayed with. You believe that, Pastor, just as sure as I'm standing here today. God hears and answers prayer. Stand with me all over this house. Come on, Olivia. They took my watch away. They won't give it back to me, Larry. I want us this morning to realize the best thing we've got is God with us. God with us. God with us. Steve, as long as God goes with us, we'll be all right. Long as God goes with us, we're all right. We need to do everything that we can do to make sure, Sam, that God goes with us. God goes with us. Whatever we do, wherever we go, God go with us. God go with us. Moses realized that. He told God when God said, you go down there and tell them to let my people go. He said, Lord, I won't go unless you promise me. What's that? He said, I want you to promise me that you'll go with me. Because if you don't go, then I'm not going myself. And God said to him, he said, I will go with you. I'll strengthen you. I will stand by you. I'll hold you up. And here's what he said. Are you ready for this? He said, then, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your, The Lord will show us his glory in the day that we say, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. God, in this church, I'm going to be a praiser. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be a vessel that you can use. I'm going to be a person that you can depend on. God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what I said the other Sunday. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I feel the presence of the Lord here this morning, don't you? Praise His name. You ready to pray? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now. Your word has done its work, and my heart is touched. I love you, Lord. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, show me your way, and I will walk in your way. Show me your way, and I'll praise and worship you. Bless my home. Bless my family. Bless my friends and bless my church. And I pledge to you, God, I will pray for those I love. Go with me now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen and amen. 30 seconds, best praise you got. You got it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name. Bless your name, Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We lift you up. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all the praise, all the praise.
all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. We're ready to go. Let me tell Melanie something. Melanie, I read your post there the other day, and it blessed me. And she closed it by saying, I believe in God. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I believe the Holy Ghost. I believe in that. You know what? I, I took it in there. I told Debbie, I said, you know what Melanie just put on Facebook, she put on there, I believe in the Bible, I believe in the Holy Ghost, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. Hey, quit writing recipes and write some scriptures. Amen. God bless you and God go with you. It's my prayer. Shake hands and be friendly.